In an overcrowded graveyard, the scream will rise. The Ghoulmates presents Not Another Spooky Podcast. Hey Ghoulsters, welcome back to Not Another Spooky Podcast, where I'm your ghost hostess, Mandy Spooks, and you, my listeners and community, are the co-host. On this show, we fan ghoul over spooky pop culture and learn a little from it too. What does that mean exactly? Well, it means if you have always loved spooky things, whether it's Halloween, horror, true crime, ghosts, or basically anything spooky, then you have found your spooky family because here we fan ghoul over all of it. So look, I'm just going to be honest. Covering topics I'm passionate about and balancing that with what I know you all will love is the biggest challenge for me sometimes because I want to do right by you all the time. So I may have baited you with vampires and witches, (laughs) but I didn't want to pass up the chance to talk about this film before Summerween is over. So I promise if you're not a fan, I aim to keep this episode entertaining for you and maybe just maybe convince you to give it another try. And if not, I'll make up for it with something a little more more spooky and sexy for you next week. So today we'll be grave digging into a movie that was a 100% hit or miss for a lot of you. I mean, there was absolutely no in between, but you know your ghoul loves themes and you know I had to have a Summerween episode. Have you guessed what movie it is yet? Dun dun, dun dun. Yep, obviously it's Jaws, but it wouldn't be a Summerween show if that was all we were talking about. So we are talking related phobias and maybe a true shark story or two. If you haven't been scared of Jaws before, you might just be afraid after this episode. Before I forget, I want to also share that this week will be a complete shark week on the show's Instagram at Not Another Spooky Podcast because Master of Ceremonies has taken some really cool shark themed photos over the last two years and it's going to be a whole vibe you're not going to want to miss. And while we are on the shameless plug train, I did want to talk about how you can support the podcast just for a second. If you're interested in unlocking access to an exclusive channel on Discord where you can vote on upcoming topics, get sneak peeks, and participate in live chats with me, you can subscribe to this podcast with a subscription of $5 or higher at the link in the show notes or by clicking that cute little lock icon on one of the locked episodes on the podcast platform you're listening. Please be sure to use an email you check frequently to gain access to that exclusive Discord channel, which is where I'll be inviting you in. These donations help the Goalmates Productions as a whole, from the production of this show, to the movie fees or rentals to watch the content we talk about, to the equipment, to basically everything you see on all of our platforms, so we greatly appreciate it. If you have any questions about how these platforms work, please feel free to send me a DM on Instagram to not another spooky podcast. But before we get into the bloody details of today's show, I thought we could share a cup of brew and talk about how we're keeping the spook alive. So to keep things festive, I decided to have a summer brew today. I prepped this time, guys. Snaps for Mandy! So I am sipping on what I'm coining the spooky shandy, or should I name it the Mandy shandy? food for thought. (laughs) Anyway, I stole this concept from Shake Shack called the Shack Shandy, where you can order one of their lemonades combined with a beer. So to keep things bloody and refreshing, I am having a strawberry lemonade spiked with the Kugel's Summer Shandy. Let's give it a try. 
not too shabby guys let me know what you're having for today's summerween fest on our discord server so i swear this is not the first time you will hear me say this but sometimes the stars just align because this weekend turned out to be a very chill summer vibe story for how we are keeping the spook alive as you know, we moved to Denver because of the weather, so I was a little spoiled not having a real summer day until mid-June. I know I'm ruining the podcast magic for you a little, but yes, it's June as I record this. So by the time we had our first real day of summer, I was a real grumpy, spoiled witch because I was so not ready to say goodbye to my long sleeves and hoodies, even though I was previously used to summer days averaging 20 degrees higher. So the heat instantly put me in a mood and just drained me of all my energy. And to be honest, neither me or Master of Ceremonies were in a great mood. So we decided to check out another small neighborhood near us called Edgewater, since it was just nearby, not a lot of walking, because most of our adventures include a lot of walking these days. And we figured we'd just have a quick lunch and come home. So we were headed over and we first stopped at a Black and Red, an independent music, books, and game store, which we later found out is like their clearance store for all the stuff. So there were some hidden gems. Anyway, we were about to leave when I found this spooky purple book just staring right at me. And I swear I read the title this way for the first time in my head. It was called Superstitious? Here's Why. And I snatched it right up because I was like, I'm sure there's going to be some good stuff in here to share on the podcast one day. So I'm sure that'll come in handy in the near future. Anyway, then we headed to Edgewater Public Market, which is this cool concept where there's restaurants and shops inside. We had no idea it was going to be as big as it was, but we were really excited to find a shop called Abstract that had a lot of clothing with spooky Denver-centric designs. So stay tuned to our YouTube channel because I'm sure we'll be going and doing the vlog there soon if we haven't already. So anyway, then we grabbed some ice cream at the same market and headed to Sloan's Lake nearby. It was such a vibe. It was my first time visiting and I had instantly an entire spooky photo shoot planned in my head for when a mystery bag I pre-ordered arrives next month. So I'm super excited. Anyway, this lake is awesome because it's huge and has trees that give off Friday the 13th vibes. So I'm thinking at some point we'll go have a picnic and take the laptop and get spooky at sunset. Oh my God, that's like a movie title, guys. Trademarked. <laughs> I don't know how brave I am to stick around at night, though. So look, I know these aren't the spookiest stories, but I'm running out of stuff to share across YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, but here I am, and I figured this is where I could share the more intimate stuff that isn't constantly shot on camera, you know? So let me know how you guys are feeling about these quick little catch-up sessions we have. And if you wanted to keep up with how I'm keeping the spook alive every day, you know, the spookier, juicier stuff, the ghoul stuff, I guess, you can follow me on Instagram at Mandy Spooks and on the Ghoulmates YouTube channel and TikTok. All right, so before we get into the movie itself, which to be honest, I'm really excited about, I promised some talk of phobias. So a great opening for this segment was by our co-host Tracy from Nerd Squish on Instagram. She said, it doesn't matter how old you are, everyone thinks twice about getting in the water because of this movie, even a pool, end quote. 
So first of all, how much more hype do you need for this movie? But B, it's a perfect segue into what we are learning about today, which is phobias. And you might even learn what one of mine is. So if you too are like Nerd Squish and are afraid of not only the ocean, but swimming pools too, because of this movie, then you might have aquaphobia. People with aquaphobia are afraid of all types of water, even from a bathtub. However, it's interesting because aquaphobia is oftentimes confused for hydrophobia, but hydrophobia is actually one of the more severe stages of rabies in humans. This phobia is really serious and can cause a real anxiety, including shortness of breath and a fast heart rate. There is no known cause for this phobia. On the other hand, some of our ghoulsters are afraid of the open water like Yana loves Michi on Instagram. She said, as someone who lives on the coast, this movie made me terrified to go to the beach, end quote. Some people are only afraid of open water, which is called thalassophobia, which can be as severe as even being afraid near the ocean or on a boat, not just in the water. Unlike aquaphobia, there are some causes known to be related to thalassophobia, which include direct experience of something dangerous or distressing, witnessing something traumatic happening to someone else, the transmission of information such as news coverage or films, or having an unexpected panic attack, which can lead to a fear of the situation or location in which the attack took place. This phobia can cause severe panic attacks. And while I don't think I have a severe case of thalassophobia, I do think I have a mild case of it. I have never really been around a lot of open water, but when I am, I'm very nervous, even if it's a lake like the one I mentioned we visited this weekend. I think it comes from not ever being around it because I grew up swimming in a pool most of my life. So both of these phobias can be treated by cognitive behavioral therapy and exposure therapy, which makes sense because I think a lot of my personal fear comes from not being around open water most of my life. I guess there are just so many scary things that can happen in the water from, you know, Jason Voorhees to Jaws. What's with the Jays? You got to watch out for the Jays in the water, guys. (laughs) I don't even really know why I'm so afraid because I'm such a good swimmer, but I guess it's just scary. The idea of not knowing what could creep up on you at any second i don't even think i'm scared of sharks necessarily but i guess someone just trying to hurt me in the water and me being helpless (laughs) anyway the last phobia i wanted to talk about was obviously the fear of sharks which is called galeophobia it makes me think of queen's galileo (laughs) when i was researching this you know super thoroughly and not just quickly for the script at all (laughs) i came across an article that said people are afraid of sharks because of how hollywood has capitalized on it from films such as jaws and reports of shark attacks even in lakes and rivers and while you know living near so many lakes now i may have panicked a little And hopefully what I found will either spook you more or just put you at ease. So apparently most sharks can only survive in salt water, but there are rare cases when some sharks that can survive in both salt water and fresh water, like bull sharks, can sneak into lakes if they are connected to the ocean through streams or rivers. So if you live near the ocean, keep your eyes wide open. Or if perhaps you're on the opposite end of the spectrum and you want to go swimming with sharks, there's also the opportunity to go cage diving with sharks, which is apparently a thing. And shockingly, 28% of you said you would do it. You crazy little ghouls. But to wrap things up on this subject, if you're wondering how many people actually have a real phobia, according to Medical News Today, 
7 to 9% of the population has a specific phobia on any given year. So, are you guys feeling in the mood to talk about Jaws yet? I hope so, because we are about to take a bite into it. So, the movie Jaws was released on June 20th, 1975, and of course it was directed by Steven Spielberg. It was starring Roy Schneider as Brody, Robert Shaw as Quint, and Richard Dreyfuss as Hooper. The movie has a Rotten Tomatoes audience rating of 90%. I think that's one of the highest ones I've seen, guys. So the summary on IMDb reads, When a killer shark unleashes chaos on a beach community off Long Island, it's up to a local sheriff, a marine biologist, and an old seafarer to hunt the beast down. So a little history about this movie. Did you know it was based on a novel by Peter Benchley? While we were on the topic of the book, though, I wanted to share some thoughts about the movie versus the book from one of our co-hosts, Danny, from Stay Creepy LBC on Instagram. I personally reached out to Danny because I know she is a 100% certified Jaws fan, so she'll kind of be like my featured co-host for today. She said, I believe this is one of the few films where most people would agree, myself included, that the movie was better than the book. The book wasn't bad, but the movie just gives you feels the book can't, end quote. Now, full transparency, I haven't read the book, but I'm going to say I completely believe that and would go as far as to say that the music alone is the reason why the book just couldn't compete with this movie. But I'm getting ahead of myself because ghoul, oh ghoul, are we going to talk about the music some more later? Another interesting thing I learned is that the movie is actually based on real events that happened in New Jersey back in 1916. It is said that the novel was too, but even Smithsonian Magazine wrote an editorial correction that just the movie was based on true events. In July of 1916, there was a series of five shark attacks by a rogue shark along the Jersey Shore. According to IMDb, the sequence of attacks was similar to that of the film, A Swimmer in the Surf, a dog, a boy, and the leg of a man in a tidal slough. What I found interesting is that back in 1916, people didn't really know anything about sharks or that they even existed, so there were even rumors that there was a killer on the loose back then. And finally, my favorite interesting historical fact about this movie is that it was the first ever summer blockbuster. It was actually supposed to premiere in December because at that time, summer season was the worst time for movie releases because people were outdoors enjoying the summer, but because of production delays this film got pushed to releasing in the summer and ghoul o ghoul did it make waves <laughs> see what i did there all right so over 67 million people went to see this film in 1975 and it was the highest grossing film of all time at that point so ghoulsters to those of you who were not hyped at all about this film are you feeling hyped yet no, you say? Then let's dig into why your fellow ghoulsters and I love it. So, as always, before you can understand why I love this movie, you have to understand my history with it. And this one is a bit of a real story time with Mandy situation, so I'll try to get to the point quickly because I know some of you have probably heard most of this, but let's get into it. Back in April of 2019... I broke three bones in my ankles and didn't walk for three months. We lived in a second floor apartment and my doctor advised me to only leave once a week if necessary. So it was basically quarantine part one for me and that time was hard to say the least. It was the lowest I'd ever been in my life and I needed something to cheer me up and I didn't realize it until recently but this was the point in my life that really led me to be me living my most authentic spooky life. So like I said... 
I was down on myself and I was like, you know what? I don't care if it's the summer. I'm going to start watching all the spooky things that bring me life. So I started watching Adam's Family, Hocus Pocus, Halloween Town, you know, all the ghoul stuff. And that was the turning point when I realized how much Rudy loved all these spooky things too because up until this point both of us had been playing chicken with each other on how much we loved horror and halloween but every time i was telling him about something he was finishing the quotes for me so before i knew it my one trip a week ended up being visiting zia records in arizona and getting old horror movies he wanted me to watch with him and of course we spent our fourth of july that year watching the entire jaw series and my world changed I was really surprised because I had really low expectations and did not expect to like it at all. My assumption was that it was an older movie, so it was going to be slow and boring. And how exciting could a shark in the water be? You know, I know you skeptics. I know how you feel because I was there too. But I was wrong. And even watching it today, I'm amazed by how a ghoul like me who hates slow movies is so fascinated by this film. And it's the first time so far that all your comments literally mirrored the notes I wrote to talk about as well. So earlier, I mentioned our co-host, Danny, who is a Jaws fanatic. I asked her why she loved the film and her answers were the perfect outline to my notes. So snaps for Danny. She said the opening scene. I judge movies a lot by their opening scene, and this has to be one of my absolute favorites. Everybody is having a great time, carefree, just enjoying life until somebody decides to take a swim. Her attack is particularly vicious and adds in the element of being afraid of something you can't see, and it's brilliant. It really sets a tone for the rest of the film, end quote. Yes, yes, Triple yes, Danny. I remember the first time I saw this movie, I just, I was just shocked, to be honest. I didn't expect something so exciting to happen so quickly, especially in an older movie. I couldn't believe we got our first shark attack that fast either. And one of the interesting things I read was that they originally had a fake arm to show Chrissy's death, but Spielberg didn't think it looked real enough, so they ended up burying one of the crew members and sticking her arm out for the scene, which only makes me want to ask more questions about that, but I'll refrain. <laughs> I do want to simmer on the gore for a second, though, because this film never ceases to amaze me and spook me every time I see it. I think the reason it does so well is because it's limited, so that's why it's shocking. You're not constantly seeing gory things happen, so the sporadic moments get you, like when they show the leg floating. But of course, the scene that always gets me is the head that pops out of the boat because I know it's coming, but I never know at what second. It turns out that that scene wasn't originally in the movie, but when Spielberg saw the preview audience get scared in the shark's first reveal, he wanted to add more scare to the film. And I'm so glad he did. And I think another way that this movie really makes you nervous is the perspective. According to IMDb, Spielberg shot roughly 25% of the film from water level to provide the viewers the perspective as if they were treading water too. But moving away from the scares, Danny also said the comedy elements. I love how they managed to make so many funny parts yet still have you constantly nervous something incoming. I personally really enjoy when comedy is added to horror for suspense films. I think it tricks you into calming down so that when something scary really happens, it'll get you more, end quote. You guys, 
I can't stress this point enough. The comedy is done so well and it's intentional. In original screenings, when the audience first saw the scene where Brody sees the shark for the first time, you know, the one where we finally see Jaws pop his head up like, Heller! Yes, you know the one. The audience originally was so scared at that point that they were not focusing on the iconic, you're gonna need a bigger boat line. So they purposely added more time to break that shot up and give the audience time to recover and laugh at that line. Talk about intentional and strategic. But I digress, backtracking a little, the comedy elements for me start when Hooper arrives. And I need to take a moment to just fangool over how much I love Hooper. He's just such a nerd and he steals my heart. I love how excited he is, but also concerned for everyone at the same time. And I love the banter that he brings with him. This movie is 100% one of my favorites solely because of him. But he's not the only lovable character in this film, which is why it is so iconic. This film does such an amazing job about making you care about the characters in the final showdown with Jaws 2. Tracy from Nerdsquish also said, Quint is quite possibly one of the coolest and most compelling characters in cinema, end quote. And I can tell you guys that Quint is also Master's favorite character too. I was telling him that I think the way Quint dies at the end is so epic. That's how he would have wanted to go, you know? And speaking of favorite characters, I was really surprised to hear how many of you were fascinated by the actual absence of the shark. Tracy also shared, I love the fact that we were supposed to see the shark more, but it actually works to the film's benefit to not see the shark. What you don't see makes your imagination conjure up the scariest things imaginable. It doesn't matter how old you are, everyone thinks twice about getting in the water because of this movie, even in a pool, end quote. And she ain't lying, guys. Fun little fact, Steven Spielberg named the mechanical shark Bruce, which only makes me love this movie even more because my little monster's name is Bruce. But there were three versions of the mechanical shark. One shark was open on the right side, one was open on the left side, and the third was fully skinned. Each shark was approximately $250,000. But Tracy is right. It turns out even though they spent so much money on good old Brucey, it's the not seeing him that made the movie great for people like me who were so skeptical about how scary a shark could be. This movie legit relied on good screenwriting and music to keep an audience engaged. And speaking of music, I told you we'd talk about it. The music is the one thing you all agreed on. As our co-host There She Glows Again said, everyone knows that music, end quote. Danny continued with, the music in the film is not only iconic, but it truly makes the movie. Not only does it set the tone for every scene, it helps to intensify your feelings while watching, particularly one of dread, end quote. And I couldn't agree more, Golsters. For me, the most exciting part of the music is when the three guys are finally out to catch a Brucey and the music is all adventurous. I don't know why. I just felt like that scene in particular wouldn't be as exciting without the music. But it's funny because when John Williams first played the music for Steven Spielberg, he actually thought it was a joke. The joke was on Steven, though, because Williams went on to win an Oscar in 1976 for Best Score. So I think that about wraps up not only my my thoughts but our co-host thoughts as well so that means it's time for it's freaking bats you know how i've been sitting here saying so many of you hate this movie well despite all that the ones who love it came in hot to flip that rating around because the ghoulster rating for this movie was 4.5 bats as for me i think this is going to be my first five bat rating guys 
I love this movie so much, if you can't tell. And I think I love it because it's one I didn't think I would, you know? Like I said, I love Hooper's character so much. I love the music. I love how well it's written. I mean, I have nothing to criticize, honestly. So if you are like me and you love this film, or maybe I have finally convinced you to watch it, guess what? I have some jawsome news for you guys. Apparently, the film is returning to theaters September 2nd for the first time ever in IMAX and real 3D. And you bet your bottom dollar, Master and I are going to be there opening day if we can. Or if you're feeling really brave and ready to make it an immersive experience, you can follow the steps of our co-host, Mr. Anthony Goulish, who said, it's our 4th of July favorite. We watch it in the pool on our projector every year. End quote. Guys, I have always wanted to do this, so somebody in Denver, please throw a Jaws pool party and invite me. Alright, so now the moment I have been waiting for. If you're not binging with us, then you can't sit with us because it's time for Bloody Bingeworthy. This week was the opposite of last. Last week I couldn't stay awake and this week we hit the point in the show where I couldn't stop hitting next episode. So let's sink our teeth in, shall we? This week we binged The Vampire Diaries season 1 episodes 8 through 11. According to IMDb, the summaries read, Stefan gets a surprise visit from old friend Lexi. Caroline tries to get Damon's medallion back from Bonnie. Jeremy gets a break from the mysterious new history teacher Alaric Saltzman. Damon reveals to Stefan the stunning reason he returned to Mystic Falls. When Sheriff Forbes tells Damon of another attack, he offers to track down the killer, learning the startling information about the town's founding families. Damon goes to Georgia to surprise an old flame Bree and enlist her help. Meanwhile, Stefan uncovers a startling clue to the past. Okay, guys, now that I read those, and I, I totally get that they sound really weird, and I'm sorry... But that just makes your girl's life a lot easier by just copy pasting from IMDb. So I apologize, but I'm pretty sure you get the point and you remember what happened in the episodes. So that aside, there is so much happening. So I wanted to start with following up to my question last week. It turns out you have to have a vampire's blood in your system when you die. So I guess that is why nobody was worried about Elena turning into a vampire. So there is a lot to unpack this week. I don't even know where to begin. First of all, when Damon killed Lexi, again, how could you guys be Team Damon? I hated him so much in that moment. I just, I can't. And I get that they're brothers, but I also don't even know how Stefan got past her death so quickly, seeing how close they were. And next on my list, oh my god, episode 9 was so spooky when the girls do the seance. I think the reason I love this show is because it can actually get spooky at times, and you wouldn't expect it to because it's just another teen love vampire CW story, right? But it does such a good job of making the vampire kills spook you a little if you have all the lights off. Or in this case, a seance, you could just tell Bonnie was possessed the minute the lights came back on. Wait. Or is it technically possession? I'm not sure, but you guys know what I mean. Not a demon, but same concept. It was her ancestor. <laughs> anyway, I'm curious to see how her story continues to play out because it was crazy to see how mature and wise her grams was when she dealt with Stefan. And I'm not going to overshare, but I'm so glad Alaric has finally made his grand entrance. I remember I liked his character a lot, but now I'm really nervous about Damon being so close to him at the end there, though, because I don't remember how that story plays out. 
And I know there is just so much we could do full episodes about this, but the last thing I want to touch on is this big reveal we saw at the end about Elena. I did not see that coming. She is adopted, guys. I have so many more questions. Like, are we going to find out more now that she told Aunt Jenna she knows? It just, it breaks me because I could just tell that Stefan had to be the, like, it broke, sorry, I'm I'm tripping on my words here. Like, I could just tell that it broke Stefan's heart to have to be the one to tell her because he didn't want to tell her because it would hurt her, but at the same time, he had to in order to not lose her trust. So, someone please send help because I'm hitting that point where I'm going to, like, not be able to stop a binge and next thing I know, it's going to be 4 a.m. by the time I'm falling asleep and have to stop. So just a reminder, you can always check your Ghoulster homework for the week in the show notes to find out which episodes I'll be covering next week. And if you're wondering how you could be one of my lovely co-hosts, like I mentioned in today's episodes, you can follow the show on Instagram at Not Another Spooky Podcast to participate in polls and questions for upcoming episodes, as well as join our free Discord server community where ghoulsters all around the world connect with each other about how they're keeping the spook alive. And if you're interested in unlocking access to an exclusive channel on Discord where you can vote on upcoming topics, get sneak peeks, and participate in live chats with me, you can subscribe to this podcast with a subscription of $5 or higher at the link in the show notes or by clicking the lock icon on one of the locked episodes on the podcast platform you're listening to, whether that's Spotify or Apple or any of the others. Please be sure to use an email you check frequently to gain access to that exclusive Discord channel because that's how I'll be inviting you in. If you've listened this far, I'm assuming you probably already can't get enough of your new favorite spooky podcast. So if you need some more spook in your life, you can, of course, follow my spooky love story on the Goalmates YouTube channel and TikTok. And if you really enjoyed this episode, again, I would greatly appreciate if you share this podcast with another spooky soul. And also, you can write a spooktacular review on the platform you're listening on. These reviews help our podcast reach more people to grow our spooky family. Until next time, we're sending you ghouls and kisses. Bye! Ha 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 ha.